everyone. Welcome to Crime Colts and Coffee. I'm Bryn. And if you hear peepers in the background, it's because it's officially warm out and officially spring, which is so exciting. I hope the weather stays this way because this week has been such a nice little treat and I feel my mood uplifting and I just feel like my energy is different and anyone who has seasonal depression can relate. Also, I fucking hate the cold, so there's that. Anyway, aside from that, what recommendations do I have for you this week? And I would also like to point out, I'd love if you guys send some recommendations my way because I'm always looking for something new to watch or read or a new podcast to listen to, and I would love hearing from your end as well. So my recommendation that I am currently in the midst of is called The Blacklist and I believe this is on Netflix and it might be on Hulu as well. I'm not quite sure but I'm watching it on Netflix and I've been watching it on and off for a while but I recently got back into it and have been in a kick with it. If you have not watched The Blacklist, I highly recommend a podcast that I listened to today because I've been all caught up on her episodes and today I was finally able to listen to some new ones is Something Was Wrong. And I know Kelsey or I have mentioned this podcast in the past. We might have even mentioned it a few times. But Tiffany Reese is the host of that podcast. She's a badass and she's helping so many people get their stories out there, which is so admirable. So give that podcast a listen. Outside of that, I'm trying to think if I have any fun stories to tell. I lately, what's been going on with me, I've been waking up almost every night between 1 and 3 o'clock in the morning and I can't fall asleep for an hour or two. So I don't know if it's someone awakening me or if this is just me having insomnia. But either way, that is the most craziness that's been going on in my life right now, I guess. So without further ado, I will get into our coffee review for this week. For this episode, I am reviewing a honey cinnamon latte from Cloveberry, and I will mention that it's iced and has almond milk. I have had this latte from them before. Obviously, a latte includes espresso, so it's on the stronger side. In regards to their latte, I really like how the honey brings some sweetness to it, so I don't need to have any added sugar to this. It is a little on their sweeter side for me anyway, but I do enjoy this, especially with the contrasting spice of the cinnamon in it. I think that it's a really good combination, and... It's very smooth. Their coffee is really great at Cloveberry. I feel like basically anytime I ever have an iced coffee there, I'm not disappointed and sometimes I even get a second. In regards to the honey cinnamon latte though, iced, I would probably rate this a 7.5 just because in comparison to other coffees that I've had from them, this definitely isn't my favorite even though It's not disappointing and I don't dislike it. One more quick thing that I wanted to mention before I get into today's episode is that I really wholeheartedly appreciate everyone who listens in to this podcast each week and lately I've been getting so many messages on the DMs and it's just so reassuring. Not only does everyone take the time to listen every week, 
but that everyone is so invested in these stories that I'm telling, especially since their stories definitely deserve to be told and their lives should not have been taken. And the least anyone can do is continue someone's legacy after they're gone. And I feel like bringing attention to these lesser known cases not only opens people's eyes to cases that maybe still need attention, but following through with calls to action that are included in each episode is just so important. And like I've mentioned on previous episodes, my whole goal has nothing to do with myself on this podcast and everything to do with bringing justice to the victims and their families and just for everyone to hear their stories. And yeah, I appreciate everyone who listens and I just wanted to make that known as I always do, but I wanted to make that known because as long as you all continue to listen each week, I will continue putting episodes out. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. So grab your coffee and have a morning with us. Today I will be discussing the case of Sarah Everard. A little bit of background about Sarah, she was born June 1987 in Surrey, England, and was 33 years old at the time of this story. She grew up in York, England, and her father's name was Jeremy, and her mother's name was Susan. She also had a sister, Katie, and a brother. Growing up, she went to Fulford School, and from 2005 until 2008, she attended St. Cuthbert's Society, Durham University. Here, she studied human geography. At the time of this story, she was living in Brixton Hill. She was also working as a marketing executive, and she worked at a digital media agency. Sarah was described by her cousin Tom as being, quote, absolutely amazing. She's lovely and she's fantastic. So sensible. So well-loved by her family, by her friends, by everyone. And he had told that to my London. Her boyfriend called her strong and beautiful, and she was also described as brilliant and that she embraced all life had to offer. So moving into March 3rd, 2021, around 9 p.m., Sarah was walking back to her home in Brixton Hill. She had left her friend's house, and the friend lived on Leithwaite Road near Clapham Junction. This is west of Clapham Common. And from her friends, she walked on the A205 South Circular Road. According to reports, the walk from the friends to Sarah's home should have taken about 50 minutes. A video said the distance was about 2.5 miles, though, so I guess it depends on the walking speed. At some point during this walk, she was on the phone with her boyfriend, and they talked about seeing each other the next day. This phone call lasted around 15 minutes and ended at 9.28 p.m. Around 9.15 p.m., Sarah was seen by a passerby, so this was probably while she was on the phone with her boyfriend. Around 9.28 p.m., she was seen on video footage from a doorbell camera. This was on Poinders Road. 9.32 p.m., she was seen on video again. This time, it was on a dash cam from a police car that had passed. But these movements of Sarah were looked into and noticed 
because on the night of March 3rd, 2021, Sarah Everard vanished. She had never texted friends to let them know she arrived home, which had already been a major red flag. And the morning of March 4th, 2021, she had a scheduled meeting with a client and hadn't showed up. More alarm bells went off when she hadn't answered her boyfriend's texts. In the early evening, he showed up at her home as he hadn't heard from her and because they also had plans to see each other. As mentioned earlier, that was their conversation while they were on the phone the night before. When she wasn't answering there, meaning at her home, he decided that it was time to go to the police. From here, the police also found the disappearance of Sarah really concerning, so a search began. Police began looking for Sarah, friends and family hung up missing posters, and people shared her missing info on social media. 750 homes were visited. Nearby ponds were searched by search and rescue teams, and Clapham Common... Agnes Riley Gardens and the Poinders Gardens estate were all searched for clues. Calls came in from the public as well. March 9th, 2021, which was six days after Sarah went missing, a man named Wayne Cousins was arrested in his home, where he lived with his wife and two children, for suspicion of kidnapping. Police entered his home at 7.50 p.m., He was a Metropolitan Police Officer. He served as a police constable and firearms officer, and in February 2020, he had been assigned to the Parliamentary and Diplomatic Protection Branch. Initially, he denied having anything to do with Sarah's disappearance or knowing her whatsoever. Interesting fact, though, was that about 40 minutes before his arrest, He tried to wipe his cell phone. His story later changed to include a gang from, quote, Bulgaria, Romania, and Albania. He said he was in, quote-unquote, financial shit, and they had hired him to pick up girls to bring them. He told police that she was alive when he gave her to the men. So his story shifted from, I've never met her in my life, I have no idea who you're talking about, to, oh yeah, I dropped her off to these people, because I'm in financial shit, because that makes sense. But the truth was so much worse. February 28th, 2021, three days before Sarah had disappeared, Cousins had rented a white Vauxhall car. March 3rd, 2021, at 7 p.m., which was the day Sarah went missing, He finished a 12-hour shift at the U.S. Embassy in London. He then went and got his rental car in Kent, England and returned to London. He then went to Earl's Court in West London, Battersea Bridge, Clapham, and back to Earl's Court. At 9.23 p.m., he arrived back in Clapham, parking his rental outside Poinders Court. 9.24 p.m., Cousins stopped Sarah, showing her his police warrant card, and arrested her. He arrested her under the ruse that she had gone against COVID guidelines and restrictions, because at this time, the guidelines and restrictions in the UK 
were still at an all-time high and there was a lot put in place with going to people's houses or being out past a certain time, so on and so forth. So from there, Sarah sat down on the pavement and was handcuffed. A person in a car that was passing had seen this quote-unquote arrest. At 9.35 p.m., CCTV from a bus captured them standing by the rental car. And at 9.38 p.m., CCTV from a bus captured the license plate of the car, and it was around then that the two got into the car. From there, cousins drove to Kent, which was 80 miles away. So one can only imagine that eventually, over this course of 80 miles, Sarah began to realize that something was really wrong, which is a completely horrifying thought and My heart just aches for her. Moving on to around 11.43 p.m., the two were now in Dover, England. By then, they had changed cars from the rental to Cousin's personal car. Between 11.53 and 11.57 p.m., his phone connected to cell towers within Sibritswald, and from what I could gather, this is within the Dover district of Kent, England. At some point between this time frame and around 2.30 a.m. on March 4th, Sarah had been raped and strangled by this monster. It is believed that he used his police belt to murder Sarah. Around 2.31 to 2.34 a.m., he went into a gas station in Dover. Here he bought drinks, which included water, apple juice, and leucosade which in the U.S. is similar to Gatorade. So he was just nonchalantly living his life after he just committed rape and a murder, which is so beyond disgusting. This man, as this case progresses, you're going to just see what an inhuman piece of garbage he was, honestly. Between 3.22 a.m. and 6.32 a.m., CCTV footage showed him in the area of Hodes Wood near Ashford. After this, he returned to Dover to pick his rental car back up. 8.15 a.m., he picked up hot chocolate, coconut milk, and a Bakewell tart. Again, just literally unfazed by what he just did. 8.26 a.m., Cousins returned his rental car. And at some point, he also made a phone call to his vet. This was in regards to getting medication for his dog. Around 9.21 a.m., he got rid of Sarah's phone in a body of water in Sandwich, Kent. March 5th, 2021, so the next day, around 11 a.m., he went to a gas station in Winfield and filled up a container of gasoline. 12.37 p.m., CCTV again caught his car on camera at Hodes Wood. While he was there, this disgusting excuse for a human being burned Sarah's body inside of a refrigerator to try to get rid of evidence. He then left, and around 1.47 p.m., he bought two large builder's bags from B&Q, which is a home improvement company in England, very similar to a Home Depot or a Lowe's in the U.S. March 7th, 2021, he went back to Hodeswood 
and put Sarah's remains into one of the builder bags that he had purchased. He then put Sarah into a pond. And there had been deferring information in one resource that I found basically saying multiple bags, but most resources that I went through had mentioned just one builder, one of the builder's bags that he had purchased. March 8th, 2021, he had called sick out of work. There's a red flag if I've ever seen one. Earlier in the week, he had already told some of his colleagues that due to stress, he did not want to carry a gun. On this day of calling out sick, he handed in his belt, handcuffs, and other police equipment. So I find it really interesting that his belt and handcuffs that he turned in were two things that he had used in the murder of Sarah and restraining Sarah. So I wonder if he was trying to A, distance himself from these things, or B, kind of like push them back into the system to be touched and handled and used by other people. Just a thought. March 10th, 2021, at 4.20 p.m., human remains were found in the builder's bag. This was about 110 yards or 100 meters from land that Cousins actually owned. Thank God he's not only a piece of shit, but a complete fucking idiot. A former car body repair garage was also searched, and this had also been owned by his family at one period of time. Cousins was also rearrested on this day for suspicion of murder, so this is March 10th, because remember on the 9th, they had originally arrested him for suspicion of kidnapping, so now they're rearresting him for suspicion of murder. March 12th, 2021, Sarah was identified by dental records. Cousins was also charged on this day with Sarah's kidnapping and murder. Just a little side note, even after finding Sarah and Cousins' arrest, police continued search operations all around the area for other evidence. All the CCTV footage mentioned was located during the investigation, and police divers also performed underwater searches for Sarah's missing phone. Moving forward to March 13, 2021, He appeared at Westminster Magistrates Court and was put in custody. June 1, 2021, autopsy reports were released, stating her cause of death as compression of the neck or strangulation. June 8, 2021, he pled guilty to the rape and kidnapping of Sarah Everard. He quote-unquote admitted responsibility for her death, but did not enter a plea for murder. He is literally... I cannot... I I don't even have words for this man. And another side note, his mental health at the time was being looked into. So I guess that's how he kind of got around having to put in a plea. July 9th, 2021, he pled guilty to murder... So I guess the argument of him potentially being mentally ill during the time of her murder was not passed. 
and Sarah was completely unknown to him, but it turned out that he had been planning this crime for a good amount of time. He even reportedly bought self-adhesive tape, as well as getting the rental car, days before the murder took place. So, he didn't have specifically her in mind, but he had all these plans in place and he was definitely driving around that night seeking out a victim because I will post a YouTube video link that I watched. It's like a pretty long video, but this is kind of earlier on in the investigation and a cop that is being talked to mentions how there was no reason for him to be in the area at that time whatsoever. So he was definitely driving around looking for a victim and happened to come across Sarah. Not only that, but apparently this wasn't his first crime. And this is a quote from Wiki. Quote, after the plea hearing, it was reported that Kent police had received a report in 2015 of a man in a car in Dover, naked from the waist down. It was believed there may have been enough information recorded in the Kent police system to have identified the man as Cousins, who was a serving police officer at the time. And to that, I have to say, what the fuck? What happened? How did this slip by? Moving on, September 29th, 2021, Sentencing took place at the Old Bailey, which is the Central Criminal Court of England and Wales. It's just known as the Old Bailey. September 30th, he was sentenced to life imprisonment with a tariff of a whole life order. The whole life order means that he has no possibility of parole or conditional release. By October 2021, he reportedly applied to appeal his sentence July 2022, his appeal was rejected by the Court of Appeal, as it should be. March 2022, some more counts got added to his sentence because the man is a piece of garbage. He received four counts of indecent exposure, which were related to even more incidents that were similar to the one in 2015. Allegedly, these had happened in January and February 2021, so literally the months leading up to the murder of Sarah. And as has been mentioned in other episodes before, and as a listener of true crime or someone who follows true crime, watches documentaries, reads into reports and such, you will know and possibly concur With cases of indecent exposure, a lot of the times that escalates. And we've seen it in cases with that escalating into murder before. So, how this man wasn't already charged or locked up, and an even bigger question, how this man was in law enforcement, is beyond me. It's just so concerning and devastating considering Sarah's life being taken could have possibly been prevented. As if it couldn't get any worse, November 2022, two colleagues of Cousins were also put in jail. 
PC Jonathan Coben and former PC Joel Borders were part of a WhatsApp group chat. This chat included cousins and another officer, and on this chat they sent, quote, racist, homophobic, misogynistic, and ableist messages. Absolutely disgusting pieces of shit, and not who should be serving the public or keeping anyone safe. This is just so beyond disturbing to me. I'm hoping their WhatsApp group name was Human Scum because there are no words. February 2023, he pled guilty to three incidents of indecent exposure. Apparently, these occurred in 2020 and 2021. These three counts were ordered to quote-unquote lie on file. According to Wiki, quote-unquote lie on file means the following in English law. Quote, a criminal charge is allowed to lie on file when the presiding judge agrees that there is enough evidence for a case to be made but that it is not in the public interest for prosecution to proceed, usually because the defendant has admitted other, often more serious charges. April 2023. So yes, here we are, people. This is happening now. So make some noise where you can in honor of Sarah Everard and others that have been victimized by this man. Apparently, this month, it was reported that Cousins could receive a police pension. A 7,000 euros, or in American money, $7,600 a year pension. How in the fuck is this even a consideration? And I am apologizing in advance for... All of my foul language today, not that we don't curse on this podcast. Anyone who's been listening long enough knows it happens, but today I'm going overboard and I am just so beyond heated and pissed off about so many things in regards to this case. Top obviously being Sarah not living her beautiful life, but other things among there are just so infuriating. I'm sorry. When he decided to plan, rape, and take the life of an innocent and beautiful human, when he decided to rip everything from Sarah and her family, all of his rights, pension, everything, shouldn't fucking exist anymore. If you couldn't tell, I'm fuming. And I hope you all are too because this is infuriating. Mayor Sadiq Khan had applied to have his Metropolitan Police pension taken. And again, this is April 2023 happening right now. According to reports, this had been successfully applied. But Cousins may be entitled to pensions from before he was even with the Metropolitan Police. Okay, I'm just going to move on because I cannot rant any further. Oh my gosh, my blood is boiling. Moving on to the aftermath. And this had been the day after Sarah had been identified. 
March 13, 2021, a vigil took place for Sarah on Clapham Common. Due to the size of the crowd and, quote-unquote, breaches of the Coronavirus Act 2020, the police got involved, breaking up the crowd and even making some arrests. This only fueled the fire, and obviously there was a mixed reaction to this happening at a vigil for someone who was just murdered. People were enraged, disturbed, and saddened. The opposing perspective was that it was handled appropriately and justified due to the risk of transmission. So those were kind of the different viewpoints on that. Sarah Everard's case initiated major criticism and reactions within the public. In regards to the police violence, sexual misconduct, the UK police in general, proper vetting or screening of law enforcement, because that was not done properly for cousins, allegations being properly investigated, women's safety and violence against women in the UK, etc. This is me in no way, shape, or form stating an opinion, just the attention that was drawn to issues within the system and country following Sarah's murder. Training, systems, standards, and vetting were reevaluated, and let's hope that there was progress made and progress continuing to be made with that, not only in the UK, but everywhere, because I feel like no matter how good a system is, there can always be progress made or changes made and growth happening, especially since new things are introduced all the time and with new cases come new maybe issues that hadn't been faced before. And I feel like especially in Sarah's case, clearly, maybe not everywhere in the UK, but at least within this specific part, there were definitely issues or problems that needed to be addressed. So let's hope, like I said, that changes have been made. And I did read a couple articles where people feel like There's been a little bit of backtracking, which I hope is not the case, and that's absolutely heartbreaking if it is because I feel like a lot of perspective from the public was that Sarah's death would not be in vain and that this would be used as a stepping stone to make proper changes, and if that's not happening, that's just a a terrible thing to think about. A tragedy like this that could have potentially been avoided if so many different things had fallen differently or had been looked into differently and the fact that Sarah had to lose her life and not only that but if things aren't different after this happening that there just needs to be some kind of wake-up call and I feel like this is more than a wake-up call and it would just be so unjust if things were to move backwards instead of forwards at that point. So today I do want to end this episode with a quote from Sarah Everard's mom Susan in reference to Sarah. Quote, I yearn for her. I remember all the lovely things about her. She was caring. She was funny. She was clever, but she was good at practical things, too. She was a beautiful dancer. She was a wonderful daughter. 
She was always there to listen, to advise, or simply to share with the minute of the day. She was also a strongly principled young woman who knew right from wrong and who lived by those values. She was a good person. She had purpose to her life. And that was a quote, sorry, I'm getting choked up. That was a quote from shorthandstories.com. And I feel like her mom so adequately put together a picture of Sarah for those of us who did not know her. And I just hope that things can come about in order to bring justice to her. And I feel like this man not receiving his pension is a very, very small justice that needs to happen for Sarah and her family. So I don't know if I have anything else to add to today's episode. If there are any updates regarding the pension information, I will make sure to provide that in our show notes and update you guys with any calls to action that you can possibly do. As of right now, I haven't seen anything in regards to writing or calling in somewhere to try to get that stripped from him or to petition it or whatnot. All that I had read last in an article was that the United Kingdom Atomic Energy Authority is the pensions administrator and responsible for making the decision because that falls under his government department. But as always, I will try to keep you updated and informed. Aside from that, I really think that ending this episode with a description of Sarah through the eyes of her mom, Susan, is where I want to leave it. So I'm going to jump into our spiel. You can find Crime Colts and Coffee on Instagram, where I post pictures of the coffee reviewed, the episodes each week. You can look back into our highlights to see past episodes, past coffee reviews, any important information, merch, etc. And we do have some merch left, by the way. There aren't many coffee cups left, or mugs, I'm sorry. There aren't many coffee mugs left. There are really not many hats left. And we have some tanks for spring, summer, because warm weather's here. We have a couple sweatpants, sweatshirts left still. So check it out if you're interested. You can also go to the link tree in the Instagram bio that has some of the listening platforms that we're on. Not all of them, but a good amount. Facebook, you can follow at Crime Colts and Coffee. That's where I put any resources used for this episode, photos, links, calls to action, etc. Our calls to action are always found in show notes as well. Wherever you listen to your podcast, if you go to the show notes, any links, phone numbers, information for calls to action are always there when there is a call to action in that week's episode. If you have a listener story or a case suggestion, you can email me at crimecoltsandcoffee at gmail.com or DM me at crimecoltsandcoffee on Instagram. As always, I love hearing from all of you, even when it's just you commenting on the case or you commenting on something that was said As mentioned in the beginning, I love those interactions, and as you know, I cannot get enough of the listener stories, so send them in because they're a slackin'.
And then last but not least, because I haven't gotten one of these in a little while and I'd really appreciate it if you could leave one, if you enjoy the podcast and you feel called to do it, if you could leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, any listening platform that allows you to do so, I would greatly appreciate it. I'll send you some stickies. And if you can't do it or you don't feel like doing it, On any listening platform of your choice, you can like, you can follow, you can subscribe, and that will let you know when new episodes come out each week. And until next week, I hope if you celebrate Easter that you have a nice Easter. If you don't celebrate Easter, I hope you have a nice, warm, beautiful weathered weekend. Let's cross our fingers and enjoy your Friday. And until next week, bye! Regarding this case and our resources, follow us at Crime Cults and Coffee on Instagram and Facebook.